0: Listening to the Salt Churches Podcast. Here you can listen to messages, inspiration, and lessons learned about planting micro churches all across the nation. Thank you for tuning in. To find more information, you can visit us at www.saltchurches.com. This podcast is brought to you today by Salt Churches founder Jesse Green. Okay,
1: so before Can I ask you something? yeah, I just felt even during worship a word that was really cool that was confirmed yesterday. Um, I have a hard time praying, and it's something Kendall I think that's going along with this of like taking our spiritual following Jesus seriously. I wanted to do more and more, so it's like I'm very action oriented. I'm like, okay, if I just do this, or like if I just keep like trying to fight on my own strength to make this happen, then God's gonna move. And, and something God has been convicting me of being like, when do you like actually start praying? Like, when do you actually just like stop and pray and allow me to move through you? Mm-hmm. And so lately, I've been praying for all. I have a couple friends that are all getting married. David and Jack are one. Mm-hmm. Um, but another one that are close on the verge of that is their their names are Juliet and Shane, and they've been on my heart. And so I've been really trying to discipline myself in seeking out prayer as being the first thing I do in the morning. Mm-hmm. And and so every morning I've been trying to pray for the guys that the cycling for these couples and the word that I got for Julia and Shane was joy and I just so I kept praying like joy I don't know why but I kept praying that and I had dinner with them yesterday and um, they were talking about their relationship and I was like okay out of curiosity like have you guys been experiencing more joy and they, they both laughed they are just like yeah like, how did you know like literally this past week we've experienced more joy awesome. than we've ever experienced yeah, yeah. and. That's awesome. And if, for me, it was so much more of being like, I didn't do anything. This has nothing to yeah, do right. with like, what I said to them or spoke to them, but like, like, the discipline that took place was going to the Father and being like, yeah. I love these people, so I'm gonna go to you, Father, and trust that you are doing a good work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, I just wanna speak that over us of being like, I believe in this room, there are people that are action-oriented, that desire to know the Father's heart, yeah. but the action actually happens when you are dependent on Him and you seek yes. him out. So, like, fight the fight, like, in the
0: prayer room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Good. That actually goes perfectly. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, well, I first just want to pray, because we have um, a bunch of people from Orange Air at a missions retreat this weekend. And what's really cool is, they call them presidents? Or, like, the...
1: The leaders uh-huh is yeah. that what called?
0: so they have like three presidents in the missions organization or a president or whatever There's different yeah three,
1: presidents.
0: yeah three presidents and what's really cool is there was all these students that applied and were nominated to be leaders of this area in school and every single leader is from salt churches awesome. which awesome. is really awesome and It actually became sort of an issue with some of the teachers a little bit because they just weren't sure, like, were people being, like, like only choosing salt people. And the thing they were saying was, like, the love of Jesus that these students have is undeniable. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. And especially just seeing the transformation of Mm -hmm. a lot of these students' lives in just a year. Like, some of these people, um, I mean... They're night and day in a year, Mm -hmm. and they're just radically like in love with Jesus, Mm -hmm. and so it's just so cool to see. And so I just wanted to pray um, for them before we got started, Mm -hmm. and then um, and then also just for Shafiq because he really wanted to be here. So and
1: Jackie
0: and Jackie, yeah, and Jackie was sick tonight too. So God, I just lift up everyone that couldn't be here tonight. And I just pray that you give them opportunities to have an encounter with you that they could not even imagine, God, that they would right now at 7.14 p.m. experience your tangible presence wherever they are, Lord Jesus, that they would feel your presence just fill the space that they're in and just all of a sudden be overwhelmed by the love that you have for them, God. And I just thank you that when we're not, present or at a place that you can still move in us and among us, God. And so I just pray that you just do something miraculous in every single one of their situations. And any people that couldn't be here tonight, um, I pray that they just have an encounter with you um, that's just unbelievable, God, that like, they have to talk about it because it's yeah. just so crazy. And so we just thank you, God, that you always give us um, more than we can imagine when we ask God. And so we just bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So um, I'm actually really excited to talk about what I'm talking about tonight. And this is like, it's not really like a preaching message. So I'm not going to be like preaching at you. I'm going to kind of step into more of like a teaching position, which I never teach. So so bear with me, because there's a lot of like scripture we're going to go through. But when I saw this, Revelation. I actually couldn't believe it. And I had to do a ton of research because I was like, okay, there must have been like millions of people that have seen this before me. And there was only like two books that I found that were even like sort of close. And so I was like, okay, this is definitely what I have to share with Saul, especially with what's going on. So I'm really excited. So we're talking tonight about Seeds of Revival. And so um, a lot of things that have been said tonight actually correlate with what we're going to be going into, but I just want to kind of clarify first and foremost, like what is revival? So it's like a really popular Christian thing,
1: but Mm -hmm. when I've like talked
0: to a lot of people, like a lot of people don't actually know what it is. Mm -hmm. So they're like, I'm praying for revival. And it's like, that's awesome. How do you know if it's happening (laughs) or if you're in it or you're a part of it or like, what your part is to be in it and so I just want to kind of clarify some things and I really like this definition um so Charles Finney was a revivalist in the past who just did all sorts of crazy stuff and he um did a lot of research about actually the history of revival and believed that there was um a lot that could be measured. And one of the things that he does to define revival is he says this, which I thought was really helpful. Let me take my shoe off because it's bothering me. Um, he says In the history of the church, the term revival, in its most biblical sense, has meant a sovereign work of God in which the whole region, so like Orange County, Southern California, the whole region of many churches, many Christians, has been lifted out of spiritual indifference. So first, it's within the churches and among Christians that they move into spiritual indifference and worldliness. So they step out of trying to be like the world into conviction of sin. So that's when they start to live a lifestyle of repentance, which is what we're starting to see. Like churches are starting to talk about repentance Mm -hmm. more and more like the last two years than we've like ever seen in probably the last 20 an earnest desire for more of Christ and his word, boldness in witnessing, purity of life, lots of co- conversions, joyful worship, which when you were saying that, I was like, come on. It's like worship's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Renewed commitment to missions. So a renewed commitment to go out and reach people, unreached groups. You feel God has moved. And basically revival then is God doing among many Christians at the same time or in the same region usually what he is doing all the time in individual Christians' lives as people get saved and individually renewed around the world. So all of us at some point, if you are born again, following Jesus, have had that full transformation, at some point in your life you have experienced a personal revival. So everyone, like, if you've encountered the presence of God, the fact that you wanted to repent and turn away from your sins and follow Jesus is your own personal revival. So when we pray for a revival to happen, what we're praying is that that same thing would be reignited Mm -hmm. in us and then among lots of people at the same time. So when you say, like, we're praying for revival, or God, do revival... The revival first starts in the church so a lot of times we think it only happens with the people outside and they just start getting saved and that's that means revival is happening but actually no so i can actually tell you from historical proof that we are actually in the midst of a revival because what churches are talking about what's happening in churches the moves of the holy spirit that's happening the desperate hunger of god People are saying that the next generation is like totally disheartened, but that's not true. The next generation is desperate right. for what this is talking about. Yeah. So they want the real thing. Yeah. So they're not partnering with religion, right. which is the fruit of revival. Right. So, like, I'm gonna. Okay. So statistically, <laughs> in all the studies, it shows that churches are struggling. And so people think that Christianity is struggling and that God's not doing something great in America. But actually, this is a sign of revival. Yes. So it's actually good news that people are stepping out of religion yes. and want the real thing. Yes. And so we're seeing more people sign up for organizations like YWAM yes. and organizations like Circuit Riders and Adventures and Missions and trying to get their practical, like hands-on ministry experience because of the fruit of revival. And so all of those things and all of those signs are actually really encouraging because it means we're not crazy for yeah, right. the things that we're praying about. So I just wanted to quote some um, different revivalists and things and just, I thought these are just some cool quotes about revival and I just wanna share them. So it's God's quickening visitation of his people, touching their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. That's J.I. Packer. Um, Extraordinary season of religious interest, Robert Bard. The sovereign act of God in which he restores his own backsliding people to repentance, faith, and obedience, that's Stephen Alford. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, J. Edwin Orr. The awakening or quickening of God's people to their true nature and purpose, Robert Coleman. The return of the church from her backsliding, which equals the conversion of sinners, Charles Finney, an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results, which is Richard Roberts, a community saturated with God, Duncan Campbell, and then the last one is the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring the people of God to a more vital spiritual life, witness and work by prayer and the word after repentance in crisis for their spiritual decline. Earl Carnes. And so one of the things that D.L. Moody says is that the fruit of revival doesn't produce revival. And so a lot of times we think that evangelizing, miracles, healing, worship, signs and wonders, that that's going to make revival happen. But that's just signs that revival is happening. So that actually, if we, like, worship more and, like, evangelize, and I'm like, go evangelize. Like, don't hear me wrong, but, like, just doing that more is not going to make revival happen. Right. And so what Joe is saying is completely true because we just are like, okay, well, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Because we can feel inside of us every single person that's filled with the Holy Spirit. We feel like there is an active thing we should be doing, Mm -hmm. right? So like when we feel the stirring of revival, we feel like God's moving and we want to be in step with his spirit. There's like a tension in our flesh kind of because we're like, okay, I want to partner with God and I know I should be doing something. And so I should just worship more or I should just share the gospel more or pray for healing or pray for miracles and signs and wonders. And if I see enough of that stuff, then it must mean revival's happening. But that's just the fruit. Of the thing, and so I'm actually going to explain to you guys what you can do to partner with God in bringing revival to Orange County. Okay, and I'm really excited about this, and I'm definitely going to write a blog post on this because I searched for hours trying to find stuff on this, and I could only find two books that like had a little bit of this, and I was like, okay, this is like a God crazy word. Okay, so. First and foremost, does anyone know when the first revival was? With the disciples. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that was the first ever (laughs) revival, and it was during Pentecost. And we actually have a whole testimony and story here of the first revival. And so I always think, like, the best way to learn what God's doing is to see what he's done and see if there's patterns, because God is not a God of chaos, right? So, like, every plant and tree is grown from a seed, right? right? So every revival has somewhere to start. There's a seed. And so I started to do research, which, honestly, this is the power of the Holy Spirit, because I'm not this personality. And you can ask anyone. Like, I'm not someone that reads history books. Like, it bores me. I'm like, I want to know what's going on like a hundred years from now. So to have the discipline to do this is the work of the Holy Spirit, because I don't know why people care about context or history, but it's a thing. And so maybe Parker's rubbing off on me. I don't know. So I started to just read through Acts. God started to highlight a pattern to me that I'd never seen in Acts before, and I'd read it so many times, but I saw something I'd never seen. And then I started to pick up books, history books, about revivals. And first of all, it is so crazy that people think that America is just this godless nation where so many revivals have happened here. Like, compared to any other nation, we've had the most revivals. Like, from what I could see in history. And so it's just so crazy. And even there are so many ministers that would come through America and be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then take what they got and bring it somewhere else. And so this is such a birthplace of spiritual awakening. And so it's just crazy the opportunities we have um, just in this nation. And so, yeah, so the first thing I saw in Acts, which is in literally every single revival I looked up. And I looked up 45 revivals that happened through America as well as Eastern Europe and all of Africa as well. So every single revival, every single one has started in prayer. Every single one. There has never been a revival that didn't start in prayer. Okay, so what kind of prayer? We're like, oh, we all pray like we're Christians. So, like, why is it not just, like, happening like crazy because I'm praying. It's a specific kind of prayer. So it's not just, like, praying for your friend to get saved or praying for God to help you pay your rent. It's a specific kind of prayer that moves God to start revival. And so I'm going to read to you guys from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. And it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So it's a prayer with a promise. And so every single scripture in the Bible is a promise for you. Um, every single scripture is a promise for you. And so, first of all, it's his people. So it's the Christians, the people that have to decide, okay, like, are we in or are we out? And so, like, you guys in this room, we have an opportunity to actually ask ourselves, like, do I want to be a participant of this or not? I, like, I always joke around with my friends from the movie nerve. I'm like, are you a watcher or a player? Because <laughs> I was like, I would be a player. Because I would want to be involved in what's going on. I wouldn't just want to watch what someone is doing. doing. Like, I think that's really boring. But maybe that's just my personality. No. But you guys can actually participate in this. And so it says, if my people who are called by my name. So you guys are Christians. So if you're a Christian, you're called by his name. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, which is repentance, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so in Acts, when we see Acts opening up, we see Jesus talking to them. And one of the things that Jesus says to them, first and foremost, is in chapter 1, verse 5, or 4, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about The gift the Father has promised. Mm -hmm. So again, another promise here. And then later on, we see again in verse 8, he says, But I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be filled with power. So it's not just this thing of, like, maybe by chance God's going to fill me with power. It says this is a promise. Hold out until you get it. That's good. And so a lot of Christians, and I literally mean Christians all over the country that are like thinking that only some people get to receive this like magic power of the Holy Spirit, and some people are anointed and some people aren't, but it's those that believe that God's going to fill them are the ones that are filled. So it's actually an act of faith. It says that you need to wait and believe that you're going to be filled, and He says I promise you that you will be. And so do you believe God? Or do you believe your circumstances and your situations? Do you believe that God can fill you with his spirit because he promises you this after he's resurrected? So this is not Jesus in the flesh. This is resurrected Jesus giving people a promise. And so then it says that they appointed a new apostle, and then it says in 14, arriving there, they went into a large second-floor room. Hello. That yeah, was just an accident. Pepper. Just noticed that. <laughs> um, and they went there to what? To pray. pray. To pray. They went there to pray. So, what were they praying for? Anyone have any idea? The people. The Bible. You can it. There it Um Anyone could check.
1: Is like courage to speak again? Close.
0: Courage to speak is a fruit. Of what they're praying for. Yes. So they're praying to receive the Holy Spirit, and it, it says that they are gripped with passion, interceding night and day. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of prayer is this? Intercession. Yes, but it's also desperate prayer. People that are praying day and night are not content with their current situation. So, I believe. That when Jesus brings revival into a place, it's because 1, 2, 5, 10, 20 people are desperate. They're not okay any longer with the situation and the circumstance that they're in. Every single revival, everyone, and you can look them all up, has desperate people praying. Okay, so who's heard of the Azusa Street Revival? Okay. It's like one of the most popular revivals in history and it happened in Southern California. So this is like our turf guys okay So when this African American man started his ministry, he was not allowed in churches like they would not accept him. So I'm like this guy must have been just like a crazy dude that was not okay with the like current situations going on in the world. So guess what he did? And I just actually found this out today, which was really crazy. He invited people over to his house to pray. So he said, come to my house and let's just pray and let's be desperate. And these desperate people needed God to move. And what they were seeing in church wasn't quite satisfying them. So they're like, "We just need—we need the real thing. Let's just keep praying. Let's keep going. Let's keep pressing in." And guess what? God answered their prayer because they were tapping into the Second Chronicles promise. That's good. And so, a lot of times, we don't realize that the promises are gonna happen, but we have an active role that we can participate in. And so they said, "Listen, we're gonna commit to this," and so many crazy things were happening from God's response to the desperation in their prayers, that people around the city started talking about the glory happening in this house, Mm -hmm. that the house was full, and then they moved to Azusa Street. So they didn't start at Azusa Street just doing this evangelistic crusade of let's reach people. That was the fruit Mm -hmm. of revival. So a lot of people see the fruit and they're Hundreds of thousands of people were saved. Crazy crusades, preaching on the street, boldness. Like he did the craziest things. Like he preached with a box over his head in obedience to God. Who does something like that? Someone that's desperate. And so I know, like, I want revival to happen, but I have to challenge myself and ask, like, how desperate am I really? How far am I willing to go? And like Joe was saying, it's like, I just want to go and do it and hope that God's going to back my actions with revival. But it's that desperateness of seeking him and praying and saying, God, I actually need you to move. I need you to fill me with power so that I can have the courage, like Ryan said, the courage to then do the things you want me to do. So, so many of us are trying to stir up this stuff inside of us that's the fruit of revival, But when you have revival happening inside of you, which is how revival starts, it starts with God moving within believers and creating that desperation, then all of a sudden, it's easy to be a witness. It's easy to turn away from sin. It's easy to do the other things. You don't have to, like, get yourself to worship more. You're just in a state of worship. Because you've been praying and seeking his face. So every single revival has that kind of prayer. The second thing is there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit in the church. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit does something among the believers. So in Acts 1-7, oh no wait, Acts 2-7, 4 it says they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit. And were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. And so the Holy Spirit came down on every single person in that room. And it totally changed who these people were. And that's like a whole other message for like another time. But they, they went from cowards to bold preachers and martyrs. So something significant happened and it wasn't just like let's muster up some faith and be good Christians. Like, you don't deny Christ and then die for your faith because you just, like, mustered up enough courage. Right? Like, all of us know, like, you you can't do that. And so something significant happened here. In every revival, we see that the desperation in prayer is met with that infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it's that power of the Spirit. It's the Spirit... So every Christian, if you're baptized, right, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but do you know there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and then the Spirit coming upon you to do work? So there's two different things. So D.L. Moody has a book called Secret Power, and he spent years studying this difference because he really struggled, like many of us do, where it's like, well, if I'm a Christian and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then, like, why am I not seeing miracles everywhere I go? Or why am I not seeing, like, these crazy things or revival, but there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit, which gives you the empowerment to follow Jesus. So for you to turn away from sin and enter into righteousness and holiness, that's grace and that's a fulfillment of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So the fact that you can talk to God and even pray is because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So hearing from God is a fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But changing regions is the spirit falling upon you and that's something different and so the holy spirit falls upon people that are willing to be submitted and desperate for god to move and they can't do it without him that's so good okay so the next thing we see is preaching god's word with power so acts two fourteen. It says, Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd. And then he preaches his whole message, basically explaining the whole gospel, which if you haven't read it, just read it. It's a really long, really great sermon that's powerful, powerful enough to save 3,000 people. And so immediately when people receive that Holy Spirit, then they preach God's word. Okay, who else is seeing... uh, Increased hunger for the Word of God in the churches. Yeah. Right? I'm talking to so many people, and people like actually want to learn God's Word. Yeah. They like want to know. There's like this new hunger to not just be like taught from the stage, but they're like, okay, now I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna like read that and like learn how to do this, and I want to be discipled. And people going and listening to podcasts and like this, just hungry for the Word of God. And so that's an awesome, amazing thing. And so when God moves in revival, there's a preaching of God's word. Okay, so now this is something that's exciting for you guys, but also challenging for some. But the people that are used in revival live a life of repentance. So it's not a moment of repentance. And the reason is, and like, I, I'm trying to explain this. Isn't it? Okay, so when the word of God is preached and people hear it, when there is a revival happening, and we see this in Acts, it says they're cut to the heart, they're convicted of their sins, and they turn from their old life and enter into a new life. If you are not living that new life, you have no right to invite other people and challenge them to do it as well. Oh yeah. So every so you can maybe lead a few people to Jesus here and there, right? But so many people struggle with Christians because we can sometimes fake it. And it's not about being perfect. And this is what I tell everyone in Saul over and over and over again. I don't care if you mess up every single day of your life. As long as your heart is before God and you're saying, search me, God. Help me to live differently. Help me to not live this way. I don't want to drink all the time. Help me to live a new life. And so it's having that heart posture turned towards God. And so I believe that when we can live in a lifestyle of repentance, we're living out the fruit of that desperation. So if we're just in our house just praying all night for God to do something and then living in sin, it doesn't make sense. Like the two worlds don't connect. And so it says in James, it says don't be just hearers of the word, but what? Doers. 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 Doers of the word. And so the only way we can lead people into repentance is by doing what God's telling us to do. And so every single revival has Christians living desperate, repentant lives because they're transformed by the Holy Spirit and then leading mass crowds into repentance. And so again, it's not just that strong evangelistic message, but the Holy Spirit is already working in the hearts of those people. And then all of a sudden, something switches. And then their hearts are transformed and regions are changed. The next thing we see in Acts 2.41 is that these new believers are baptized. And so they choose to publicly live a brand new life. And so, again, what's really exciting for the times that we're living in is, like, my Instagram is filled with people being baptized Like, it's just really cool to see. And I think it's really cool that we can share stuff like that on social media and show people the transformation of people going from death to life. And then in Acts 2.42 through 47, okay, so this is something that not every revival has. (laughs) So this is an opportunity that we have. Some revivals, like the one in Acts, not many in America, some in America, the Jesus People movement yes. had half of this. Churches are planted and people are discipled.
1: Hmm.
0: So people start to get saved and they become desperate and hungry for the Word of God. And they're not just convinced that they should be Christians, they have like a real desire to follow Jesus. And so You see in Acts, like, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Like, they were desperate people that were led by desperate people, right? And it says they sold everything that they had. So they actually must have gotten a pretty good encounter with God to be willing to sell everything that they had. Right? So we see that in Azusa Street. We see that in Jesus People Movement. Literally people like, and I've talked to so many people that are still in Orange County from the Jesus People Movement. And they said, it was crazy. It was crazy. Everywhere you went, people are preaching the gospel. And people are getting saved. It wasn't just lots of people preaching. It was lots of people getting saved. And people couldn't even find enough churches. For all these people. Like it's awesome. But God has something better in store for us. Because he moves from glory to glory. So he doesn't just give us past revivals. He always moves on to the bigger Mm -hmm. and better for us. Right? And so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Almost every person and every book that I read about Azusa Street. And about Jesus. Mm -hmm. People. And as well as the Great Awakening. What was missing was not initial discipleship. Many of them had initial discipleship. Okay. So this is what I have not seen in a book, and this is really crazy. What is missing is disciples making disciples. That's good. So many of the new converts in these revivals were in churches, were planting churches, and many of them were being discipled. But very few of them, very few, very small percentages, were trained and taught on how to make disciples themselves. So they learned how to be generous. They learned how to be baptized. They learned how to read the word of God. But no one taught them how to give that away, how to be ministers of the gospel. No one said, this is what you're called to do. And now go show someone else what they're called to do. So we lose the ripple effect. Yeah, and word. so something that Deal Moody says that I agree with 100% is the only way to sustain revival, the only way is through discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. So we have never had a sustained revival in history, ever. Why? Because we don't have disciples that make disciples. That's good. And so when I started to see this, so in scripture, we do see disciples and making disciples who are making disciples and planting churches and people are showing and teaching everyone what they know and they're just like trying to figure this out. We have so many more resources and access to everything right now. We can do better than this. Just because of our pure ability to communicate easily. Yeah. Like I can call our... Colorado leaders right now and see their faces, right? you know, and so I believe that we can see something. This is the only time in history where people are praying for revival and we have the internet. That's good. Is that, like, if that doesn't blow your mind (laughs) about what's possible, could you imagine if the Jesus people had Instagram? Right. Yeah. Like... I'm going to call Bob out, but, like, he saw they were doing baptisms on the news. Like, he happened to be watching the news, saw that they were doing baptisms, and saw a friend, and went. But, like, how many of us are on Instagram and Facebook and all these things all day? Like, we have access to so much, and I'm just, like, all the time, like, can you imagine the ripple effect when God starts to really do what he's going to do? The whole world is going to have an opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And so I don't know where that all goes, but it's just crazy what we actually have access to. And then the last thing in every single revival is cities are transformed. So entire regions are transformed because so many people are encountering the real thing. So, that being said, we're going to do a few things that we can do that can partner with God in revival. She, she so so wants to go on that bench so bad. You can help her. You can put it over first. <laughs> um, so there's some things that we're going to do practically to really help you because... Anyone that's been at SALT or in SALT for, like, five minutes knows, like, where you don't want to just, like, encourage you or get you hyped up. And you're like, God's going to do a revival. Now I'm just going to go home. And that was, like, I'm really fired up about that. So what we're going to do is um, starting August 12th, every single SALT location is going to be doing a prayer and feasting. So you're like, why prayer and feasting? Because we're celebrating what God's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So God is already doing a lot. And we want to start just celebrating what he is doing. And then what those churches are going to be doing is they're going to be gathering every single day for 21 days and praying and asking God to move in their lives. And then move in like among them. That's awesome. And then here's the cool thing too. So, as one of the leaders of salt, I'm gonna ask: if you're currently living in sin of any kind, I beg that you come to these 21 days of prayer and just get before God. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that every single person and their friends are meant to be a part of this move of God. And I know that SALT has a significant role to play in this revival in Orange County specifically. We are already seeing churches starting to reach out to us and connect to us and pray with us and get involved with things because they can. everyone can, everyone can feel in the air yeah. like something's happening. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, okay, hey, like it's close. I just don't know where, where it is or what's happening. But... I would really have a hard time if someone missed it over something that's not worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. And I'm going to just have like a heart to heart with you guys for a second. If you're actively choosing to live in sin, I would love for you to talk to one of your salt leaders or myself, because there is somewhere in that area that you've just been deceived. Even if, you are choosing to do it or are accidentally in it or whatever, but the enemy wants to do anything to make you believe that what God has for you isn't better. So good. And so I talk to Christians all the time, and they're like, well, I'm nervous about following Jesus because that means that I have to give up all these things. And it's an inaccurate understanding of The heart of the Father. Yeah. So every time God asks us to give up something or surrender something, it's in exchange for something better. Amen. So like you exchange death for life every time. And so there's just so many people that are choosing to live in sin and not receiving the full blessings of God. And they don't know why. They're feeling confused. And a lot of times it's just because we believed a lie somewhere that God's withholding from us. And I know for myself all the time, like when I was dating, I was telling Vic this this weekend. When I was dating, I just believed somewhere that like God did not love me and didn't care about the desires of my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I had to take matters into my own hands. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you can believe what God actually says about you— and thinks about you, and wants to do in you, and delights over you during these 21 days of prayer, then you can become desperate to pray for revival, Mm -hmm. because you trust God.
1: That's good.
0: So if you're actively sitting there somewhere in there, that you don't trust God, and like, I don't want you to come to like another all salt next month, and still not have the relationship with Jesus, or just have the surface thing. So... Talk to your leaders, talk to us, and there's no judgment. Like, all of you guys know. I mean, I've told, like, all my crazy stuff all over the Internet. There's, like, no judgment whatsoever. Like, it's a process, but we're in the process with you, but it's a process of repentance and moving somewhere, right? right? Mm -hmm. So, and then the second thing before I have Vic come up is um, if you are not, like committed to a group of people in your church and they don't know you or know anything about you or you're not getting discipleship immediately get into discipleship because Parker and I have been praying a ton and we've talked to like other leaders of other churches there is an urgency to make disciples right now yeah because all of these new people that were praying to get saved need to be discipled. Yeah. So that means Christians need to be ready to take on disciples, yeah. and then their disciples need to be ready to take on disciples, who yeah. need to take on disciples, who need to take disciples. So if there's someone in salt who's not in discipleship, it's time to get in. Yeah. Because we actually need you yeah. for what's going to be happening. Yes. Okay? Yeah. All right, so let me just pray, and then I'm going to have Vic explain um, what's going on in September too. So, Holy Spirit, I just thank you. I thank you that a revival is not this crazy mystery, that it's just a response and it's just a promise, God, that you'll move among us and move in our land and you'll fill us and overflow us with your love and your power, God, if we would just choose you over the ways of the world and over lukewarm Christianity and over backsliding And all the stupid things that we get caught up in, God, I pray that you would give us tonight, as we're sleeping, just fresh vision and revelation of the crazy amount of love that you have for us. It's a love that does everything for us so that we can do everything. And so, God, I thank you that you died on the cross for us. But more importantly, I thank you that you rose again. And I thank you that you gave us your spirit so that we could have a relationship with God, that we can talk to you. Like, that is crazy, that we can talk to God. And so I pray right now for every single member of SALT, for people that are not members of SALT, for every single friend of a friend of a friend of a SALT member, that they would feel this urgency and desperation To find you in the secret place, God. And they would spend time with you and know you and allow you to search their hearts, God. And then they would gather together as a desperate group of people that say, I don't want anything else but Jesus and his kingdom here on earth. That is all I want. That is all I want. If there's anything else that I want that's not that, take it away, God so that I could just desire you and see your kingdom come. And God, I pray that every single one of us would get to participate in the crazy thing that you're doing in California, in America, and across the world, God. And that Instagram will not be able to handle the stories of radical, crazy conversions the dirtiest, lowly people that are the furthest from you Jesus. coming Jesus. into a relationship with yes. you. And so God, we're so excited and we're so humble that we get to actually be on this side of it. Yeah. It's so cool that we can thank pray you. for this. Thank you. I thank you for saving us, God. Thank you. And so Jesus, I just ask that you just continue to speak to us. And fill us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app, Salt Churches, found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon.